Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So last episode, I had posed the question, if you could pick three to five hockey players to talk to about or talk about the technicalities and mechanics of playing hockey, who would they be? Once upon a time, I'd have several answers to this question, but I actually struggled with this one. So first name that came to mind for me was UC Saros. Okay. How are you? Smaller goalie who actually has to do stuff instead of just stand there and be big and then be beat a lot. Um, He actually has to try. Uh, Tori Krug, being that he is a left-handed, not so tallish by NHL standards defenseman, and I can, you know, relate with that a little. And then Leon Dreisaitl, just because I want to ask him about how he uses that stick of his, that paddle, that boat oar. So just yeah. the three? I mean, I could probably come up with a few more, but I'll, I'll yield the floor. All right. Um, Joe Sackick, please explain to me your wrist shot. Please, for the love. How? How? how just how? Um, um, it, I'm sure... Someone's uh, magical curse backfired, and he was bestowed a gift. It, it did not include a snowblower, though. <laughs> uh, Sorry. How does? Well, you know what? He's from BC. BC, unless you're in the Okanagan, really doesn't get a hell of a lot of snow. So Bring I can understand how you're not familiar with the mechanical workings of said snowblowers mm-hmm. and but you should be familiar with their cousin which is the lawnmower and also know that you shouldn't okay um <clears throat> paul coffee please teach me to skate <laughs> how just I, I know players are better trained today but not many of them were as fluid of skaters as Mr. Coffee. Scott Niedermeyer. See, Niedermeyer was immediately coming to mind for me, but I tried to focus only on active players. Yeah. Well, for I mean, and and then my third is you know I would you nailed it, Pat. I was going to go with Leon Drysaddle. Please explain to me how you use that slab of wood at the end of you know. Just how? <laughs> I was uh, getting my skate sharpened the other day in this shop. I happened to have a stick with what I would consider a similar pattern to what Drysaddle uses, and I was I was sitting there for five or ten minutes while I was waiting for my skates, and I was just I've never felt more confused. <laughs> I get it, but I don't. I mean, seriously, right? You just... It's 
It's a it's a small car. <laughs> <laughs> so you only have three. Um, I mean, it's okay if you only have three. I said three to five. I'm, I'm just like since, you know. Since you brought up coffee, and then we mentioned Niedermeyer, how about Brett Hedekin? And more importantly, um, can his better half come tell us about skating? Yeah. And Christy Yamaguchi. Well, see, that's just cheating. I know. <laughs> that's just cheating. I mean, you're using an NHL to get to his his significant other, and that's just you know. That happens to be a gold medal figure skater. Uh, uh, you know. You didn't say anything about. Oh no, no, I. It's okay. you know he could, he could be sitting there talking all day about what she's told him. I don't care. <laughs> okay, this is true. Um, I you know there's no there's no point picking Gretzky's brain because he's one of the players that it's just became instinctive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and. I mean, I just, I wouldn't want him to teach me anything. I just want to sit in, in his presence and just admire, you know, Peter Forsberg. <laughs> wouldn't we all? <laughs> right? I mean, you know. And I, I sent a few people my speaking of which, but yeah. Um, you know, just with him and to just be like, hi. <laughs> No, no, I'm not here to learn anything. Hi. <laughs> uh, can I just watch you? <laughs> okay. Thank God. I wonder if those glasses that he wears has the Clark Kent camouflage effect. Mm. So he can go about his daily life. Or actually, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm pulling an audible here. The next one would be... Sergei Fedorov, please tell me what the hell the issues between you and Iserman were. And how I can get my hands in a pair of those white skates. Uh, I think that, you know, he'd probably just tell me that they're all in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Right. But, yes, I would, I would love for it to be, I want to know what the hell the issues were between the two of them. So, that's it. That's my audible. All right. So, so... I was thinking of this for myself as like a round table thing where you just threw three to five people in a room and just sat there and listened to them talk shop. Right. So I went with an under 25 crowd because I figured that they would be more likely to be that detail oriented of, you know, physically what they need to do to like get the job done and I started with goalies and then I threw goalies out the window because (sighs) you would never get a word in no I wouldn't want a word in I just want to be the audience I wouldn't want to actually like participate I'd just be like sitting there going "Uh uh-huh tell me more um (laughs) but no because I think goalies would need their own thing altogether. You'd need like five goalies, you know? You couldn't just put one goalie in with like four forwards or Marty Biron, Steve Elkett, um because goalies talking shop is a totally different thing than skaters talking shop, I think. Oh oh yes. 
I think it'd end up being like five Keith Moons. <laughs> or, you know, a mix of Keith Moon and John Bonham's, right? I and mean, it's just, you know, the the unbridled insanity and craziness of goaltenders. It's it you know, it's okay, here's here's a round table of animal, Keith Moon, John Bon you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I threw, I, I didn't even touch that. I was like, you know what? That's another question for another day. <laughs> Goalies. Um, so, disclaimer: I, I wrote down this list last weekend, and because my first person on my list is Kale McCarr, and he kind of had a week. So, <laughs> oh, did he now? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, and so I had two defenders, three forwards. Uh, so Kale McCarr, um, and I'm going to butcher her name, Soraya Tinker. Nope. Nailed it. Awesome. Um, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Jesse Comfer Ooh. are the three forwards. So my idea was, you know, you get, you get some, you get a couple of line mates, teammates you get a couple of women in there you throw you know you have your couple of defenders um i probably could have used another european player but i had five that was my limit and um just sitting around and listening to all of them talk shop you know the women talking about what they have to deal with and the men talking about what they deal with nhlers college players junior players you know i tried to get a good mix so that so that you could just sit back and be like, look at all these perspectives. Just go ahead and talk for like a couple hours. I'll be happy. <laughs> Cal McCart did something this week. Huh. Is it bad to say I wasn't that impressed? Like it was just a good play. Um, no, you're not. Okay. I mean, I, I think. People don't expect defenders to play that way, and so it's all of a sudden, ooh, ah, look at him do that. And it's like, uh, did you not watch... Brian Rafalski? Scott Niedermeyer again. As you're saying that, I did find my written list from three weeks ago. Uh, Niedermeyer, Rafalski, right at the top. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing, right, is that because creativity has been sucked out of the NHL that a player doing a creative play, which has been done in the past, don't get me wrong, Kale McCarr is a great defender, but he, he's not any better or worse than other great defenders who have done similar things, mm -hmm. right? So it's just that that was a classic example of how you know, he did something, say, Scott Niedermeyer did 15, 20 years ago, and everyone's like, oh, my God, look at him. He's great. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he is, but that's because, but, you know, it's not, I mean, there's been nothing between him and Scott Niedermeyer, basically, <laughs> who's done things like that. <laughs> I mean, probably the closest one to date would have been Mike Green, you know, but Mike Green... Mike Green was wasn't as razzly dazzly that often. He also no. couldn't actually play defense. 
Well, we're going to throw that out the window. We're just <laughs> we're just specifically talking about this. this. But see, Kale McCarr can play defense too. So yes, it's no, not... I'm not I'm not discounting that. I'm just okay. isolate the comparison right. to that offensive, you know, razzle dazzle. You know, so probably Mike Green would have been the only one in that neighborhood, but he was more. He was more bomby from the point than, you know, drive down and do cool things in three on three overtime. And uh, look like Peter Forsberg. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, drive down and do a very Forsbergian move, which is, you know, lull the player in, get them to commit and lull them in and then blow them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was textbook Peter Forsberg right there. Slap a, slap a 21 on Kale McCarr's back, and you would have been, yep, I've seen that play before from him. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not like defenders aren't capable of doing no. such things. It's that they've been taught not to take risks, and that was a risky play. Eh, was it, though? I mean, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it risky, but I mean, a lot of, like, NHL types might. Oh, yeah, but all those NHL types don't know gap control. They just mug, you know, an oncoming player. So they they would have looked at the, you know, there's there's two types of people who would have looked at that and said, you know, that was a sixty forty percentage play. You know, you should you know you should you should err on the side of making a higher percentage play. And then there are those that would look at it and say, why why didn't you just pound him into the boards? Exactly. Exactly. Well, because the minute the minute that poor Kirby Doc kind of committed to close the gap on him and seal him off on the boards, guess what happened? <laughs> Kale McCarr did something unexpected. Shocking. He actually was allowed to be creative. Yeah, and and you know, mad props to Jared Bednar for not beating that out of them as much. You know, letting them take those 60, 40, 49, 51 type plays and say, try it. You know, play smart, but try it. Because there, there are a few overtime teams you can see where they've been coached into oblivion. And there are a few teams in overtime you can see that the coaches are like, have fun. But don't have too much fun. You know, whereas, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> don't do anything overtly stupid. Right. <laughs> But enough about the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Ding. Well, that's exactly, you know, they take the personality of their coach and look how Burnett played. <laughs> and see, that's the thing that, that I don't think anyone really understands in that, you know, everybody can say, oh, you know, the the NHL systems are like killing creativity in the NHL, blah, blah, blah. But you know, then you see things like Makar doing, you know, taking a risk and, and making an unexpected play and being creative about it. And everyone's like, wow, he's so great. And it's like, well, yeah, probably half the defenders in the NHL could do that, but they've been taught not to. And and that's what we all mean by no one's allowed to be creative. <laughs> All right, I won't rant. I won't rant. (laughs) 
So I had to pull up the highlight again, and it's a, it's just a good play. Yeah. He just he just bought a little time and space by reversing. Mm-hmm. That's it. There was nothing special about it. Now his shot, on the other hand, that was probably the most underrated thing about the highlight. Because as he goes up the half boards, just passes the hash marks, cuts back in, he didn't have much of an angle. Right. And I mean, no, back, it, that was a great shot. it on the shorthand side, that... It, it's like backhand shooting is not taught ever. What? There's, Nobody's Sid, taught there's Sidney Crosby shoot? who did it on its own. And then unless you're in a shootout situation, everyone else has to go to the forehand. Well, the problem with the shootout, as a random tangent, um, is that uh, nobody thinks about what they're going to do before they do it. They make the decision as they're skating, depending on what the goalie's going to do. And then they end up in the crease and they don't have a shot because they haven't made a decision. So it's like you're you're shooting. Who sent you tape of my shootout attempts? (laughs) Hey, I can't help it if you're emulating NHLers. No, I'm just bad. I'm not well, good I, at a shootout. I have yeah, one move and I do it every time. It just never works. I mean, it's I th- right to have a move. It's just the the thing is that don't sit there and leave it till the last minute to decide what you're going to do. I actually have an idea of what the goalie's going to do before you go out there and do something. See, I think it's a cascading effect, though. I think the first person out there is, is the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. And the other guys on the bench are looking for what the goaltender is doing versus that player. Is right. he favoring one side? Is he not? And then the next guy comes out and says, oh, okay, you know, I think I'm going to try this. You know, and sometimes they do get like, oh, he's not, you know, and if the goaltender compensates for it fast enough, then they get perplexed. Like, now what do I do? He fixed the thing that I was aiming for, you know. But I think... I think there's a learning process that does go into that. So I don't think they all just go out there empty brain. Well, I mean, I agree, but at the end of the day, if you watch a shootout and I know people hate them, I would rather have a shootout than a tie though. Cause I hate ties more. Um, is that a lot of players get to the hash marks and they're not winding up. They're still skating with the puck, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then by the time that they get to the top of the crease, they've run out of room to do anything. Well, and I think, again, that's, I think there's goaltenders are forcing them. I think there's the natural instinct of these guys, you know, have been doing this almost all their lives. Right. I mean, any, any time they're out on the pond, they're generally going in and doing shootout stuff because you only get, you know, a couple kids on the pond with you. Um, so they're all trying to do dangles and moves and everything, but as they grow older, you've got somebody standing in that net, and now that person's, you know, mirroring you. And they get into that, you know, reduct, reduction of visibility as the net gets closer and smaller mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of closer and bigger. And that's because the guy is, you know, mirroring them. So... Goaltenders get in the players' heads, and the players go, uh, yeah, uh, you know, they freeze. <laughs> Does not compute, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, I just oh. randomly went shootout on all you guys. <laughs> okay, I'd rather have a tie than a shootout. I always yeah. think of Gene Wilder in um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You lose, you get nothing. A shootout is just a loss for everyone. But that would encourage, you know, being or not being risk averse. Hockey being risk averse? Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Well, there, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, you know, there's, you have the entire league and its culture is, you know, Hellman's slash best food mayonnaise, you know, absolutely flavorless white stuff. And the minute somebody puts a little vinegar in there to become Miracle Whip, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, look at this. It's the greatest thing ever. There's flavor to it. Oh, you know. Cal McCarr. <laughs> Cal McCarr simply pivoting to his strong side away from the defender. Putting West the puck Mac between. Who? Wes McCauley just being effervescent when announcing something. Uh, you know, it's because every other referee just, hi, two minutes hooking, you know? Two minutes hooking, you know? <laughs> he, he has the cachet where his supervisors can't say anything to him because he calls a good game. He's still young enough to keep up with the play. Mostly. Well, you I would love to see him work a three-man or a three-individual system. The old two linesman, one ref system. Oh yeah, I I only worked I think one four-person system, and I hated every second of it. Um, I preferred it when I was a lines person, just calling offsides and ice things. That was easy, but. Um, Two referees, one liney. That was fun. But no, skating corner to corner, you actually have to keep up with the play and you stay a little more engaged. Um, unlike the stay-at-home defenseman turned TV analyst that we have on most uh, local broadcasts. I mean, Danico is great and all. He, he's got a, a fun voice to listen to, but doesn't offer a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, he's not meant to. It's the, it's the tri-state, you know, it's that tri-state market. You, you just got to be entertaining. Yeah, and you got to get someone who doesn't price themselves out of the job, you know? If you're a play-by-play well, -play person, you have to be entertaining. If you are a... Um, color commentator, you don't have to. You have to have some association with the team, right? In some in some aspect, preferably someone beloved who's not too expensive, who can form com. No, you don't even have to form complete sentences. Mm -mm. Who can? You don't even have to be particularly insightful either. No, you just have to be able to point things out and have a good rapport with the play-by-play -play guy. Mm -hmm. Like, to his credit, Denny Potvin had a little of that who I would very much pigeonhole in the, you were a defenseman of your era and you, you know, 
I guess you had a good career, but can you offer me some insight? And every once in a while, he would he would say something of interest back on the Panthers broadcasts. Not everyone can be Phil Esposito, you know. Not everyone can uh, punch Bob McKenzie in the face. Spoiler alert. Um, speaking of which, um, live in-game update as we record this on 1.30 Pacific time on whatever January date this is. <laughs> time is a spiral. Uh, Sunday, January 9th with 46 seconds left in the third. The St. Louis Blues have just tied the game with the Dallas Stars. One up. And it appears that St. Louis is going to have a power play going into the overtime as well. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, enough live game, live in-game scoring update. I'm just shocked we have a game to interrupt the broadcast here. So. Well, generally, because it's generally the other way around, right? Like everything else interrupts the games. Um, mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Or postpones them. Yeah. Homeboy, oh howdy. So how about that NHL schedule? <laughs> I mean, we're still we're still waiting to see it, honestly. <sighs> They're like, we're gonna finish this season on time, damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you do that, go ahead. No, they're just going to have to start next season on time. They are dying to get back to a normal schedule, and I can't say as I blame them. Everyone (laughs) needs a two-month vacation. Yes. Minimum. And if I were a team or league employee, yeah, I would want it too. Uh, I still want it. Can I have that, please? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> COVID burnout is real. Oh, the fatigue is just... I Every time I turn on like a podcast, it doesn't even have to be a hockey. Okay, live in-game scoring update. They didn't make it to overtime. The Blues just scored on the subsequent power play. Mm. It's like Jordan Cairo for the winner with 28 seconds left. Um, <clears throat> every podcast that I listen to, regardless of genre, milieu, what have you. The minute they start talking about COVID, I'm just like, oh, dear God, shut up, please. I get it. Yeah, we know. We, live, we are living this life. We don't need to be reminded. Yeah, I, I'm right here with you guys. Okay? I'm right here with you. Yeah. You know, half, half my family tested positive before Christmas, and I had a four-rib, prime-rib roast that was largely, you know, leftovers because nobody could make it to the house. Mm-hmm. So I went and bought myself a deli slicer and had some really wicked sandwiches later. Um, <laughs> hey, when when life gives you COVID, you make prime rib sandwiches. Um, so much better than hearing about leftover turkey sandwiches from other holidays. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I say people should branch out and not have turkey every year, but you know, many people are traditionalists and they can't hear of that. So, yeah, we only do the turkey on Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, I kept trying to convince my sister that um, she should do salmon. I tried doing that one year, and it really did not go over well with the family. Yeah, see, that's what I mean, though. Because everyone just like, no. They they want they want the turkey stuffing, mashed potato gravy, green bean salad coma, and to watch football while you know, basically asleep. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of how you have to watch football. Um, <laughs> a, um, not that there's been a lot of hockey this week, but I will I will raise my hand and take some credit for some some chaos amongst the virtual hockey world and I will revel in this chaos until time ceases to exist um, <laughs> I planted the seed in one young Mr. Jesse Blake's head that he needed to trade Mitchell Marner for Quentin Byfield in his his twitch streams where he's trying to general manage the Toronto Maple Leafs to a Stanley Cup victory um, and boy, howdy, has the ripple effect from that been hysterically fun. Clearing $10 million off your salary, he was able to pick up Byfield and Darren Turcott and a first. Two players on ELCs and a first-round pick for Mitch Marner. <laughs> but that sort of started me down the road of looking at some of Mr. Marner's stats and I posed a question last night. Oh, did you? Yes, I posed a poll Hmm. of would you pay a winger $10 million a season who has never put up 30 goals or scored 100 points? And an overwhelming, resounding victory for the are you insane or are you high (laughs) crowd? Um, You're really enjoying poking the bear, aren't you? <laughs> I, I am. You know, Mitch Marner is an exciting, very talented, very skilled player who is a winger who doesn't score goals and doesn't drive that much offense. At least with the Leafs. At least with the Leafs, correct. And why is that? Well, could it be he's on a line with the big, tall center who can do a lot of that for himself? You know, the thing with the guy who plays in Chicago who wears 88 yes. is he he has always had centers who needed help, by and large, mm-hmm. who weren't so self-sufficient. So his playmaking ability could you know, come to the fore. And then he also had the ability to pot in a boatload of goals. Marker can't. I've not, you know. I don't not know. at the NHL level. I don't he know if he's in his own head or what. Yes. Probably just like not with the right person who has, you know, who has complementary ability. That's all. And they may not have someone like that on the Leafs, and or the coaches don't understand that simple concept. And, and to, not the not that we're going to turn. You know, again, Toronto is an underserved hockey market, so that's why I've decided to talk about the Leafs because nobody else does. Um, right. It's just been wild to me, even though it was virtual. 
it it brings out a lot of I saw a lot of reactions from people that highlighted I think the large problem with him is he is so overvalued by fans in that market because he makes the you know makes some again skilled player highly very talented makes some beautiful plays occasionally and those are what get highlighted and those are what got him 10 million dollars and that's that comes down to and i hate to use the term because it just like grates on me so much but it's that whole eye test thing right and uh and so, you know, if someone looks good playing, then they get a pass for not actually playing or not actually being productive. If someone looks bad playing, but they're actually productive, then people like, or they're unconventional, but they're productive on the ice, then, then people just hate on them hugely. And it comes down to every expectations, right, where people want to have a player do what they do what everyone else is doing in the expected fashion. Do you get a player that you can't do what they're expected to do? Like visually you're, you're watching the play develop and you're, and you're seeing people where they're supposed to be. And you're like, but wait, that guy's over there and he shouldn't be, but he's a 30 goal scorer, but he shouldn't be over there. So of course he sucks. So, you know, it's just like, (laughs) I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying that the eye test is bad. I'm just saying that it's a perception issue and not necessarily eye test versus uh, numbers. I think they had the same problem. I think they had a problem. I think they had the same problem that Edmonton did initially with Dreisaitl. Because, again, everybody... No, not everybody. I gotta stop saying that. There was a large outcry when Dreisaitl signed that deal. His current contract that pays him like close to nine million, I think, or just above nine million. The the outcry was he's not done anything. You know, this this is such an overpayment. Oh my goodness, you know. And they nailed that contract. And they nailed that player. And I think Toronto went in and said okay, you know, we value him higher than, you know, as a higher potential than um, Dreisaitl. So, you know, and then, of course, he held out and his agent, being his agent, does his agent things and, you know, puts the squeeze on. And then because of the overvaluation by, you know, the fans and in turn the media, look what they end up with. You know, the minute and and not that the, not that there's any direct correlation between you know EA Sports hockey and real life, but he was able to dump 10 million in salary, pick up two high draft picks, players who you know were already halfway to being the same rating. Not, they were they were about six points behind the same rating of Marner, six years younger. And got three defensemen, or got one defenseman, two depth wing. You know the stuff that the Leafs can't do because they're saddled with, you know, forty million dollars across four guys, half your salary cap, and then oh by the way, what are you going to pay your goaltender? 
So it's just, you know, I don't know what the numbers say about Marner. What is, you know, what his war rating really is. I can't imagine. I, I can't believe it's that high. It's just, I don't know why I got on this rant, but it just drives me nuts to, you know, that to see people defending that contract when he's not earned it. And he's been under that contract for a couple years. You know, whereas you look again, um, dry settles a comparison. You look at Drat, man, that contract is almost cheap. <laughs> it's the new McKinnon contract. Yeah, really. I mean that's that only that you know it is a damn near a cheap contract for dry settle. <laughs> so. Wait, Toronto overvaluing players because they're drafted by Toronto? Yeah. <sighs> Well, well in his case, he just happens to be from the province of Ontario as well. So oh, it's a so trifecta. It's, it's Toronto overvaluing players drafted from Ontario by Toronto then. Yeah, it's it's the it's uh the Job effect, as I'm now calling it after having rewatched the rest of development. It's the gob <laughs> effect, the good Ontario boy. You know, you have to have a certain number of good Ontario boys to, you know, and and the best hockey players are good Ontario boys. Or if you're Montreal, they're good Montrealers and grudgingly Quebec, you know, Quebec players. They're good Quebecois. Um, But I, I feel bad for digging on him, but I just, I was looking at the numbers last night and I just went, How? (laughs) <laughs> I know. I mean, again, you know, it's not a matter of. I don't think it's a matter of. Um, I mean, if he's a good player, but he's not. He doesn't have anyone to help him finish. Then, I mean, is that really his fault? <laughs> he's got Austin Matthews on his line the majority of the time. Who is clearly not helping him like play to the best of his ability. <laughs> I, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is if he's out there with Matthews and. You know, Matthews had a spectacular season last year, damn near put up or 50 goals in 53 games. Uh, you know, okay, well, shouldn't have Marner's points coincided with that? Well, they were good, but if you extrapolate out, they weren't like, oh, my God, good. So, so then Matthews is a drain on Marner, and Marner's not getting any benefit from it. Yeah, so. I that's mm-hmm. I, that's probably where I'm at. Yeah, Marner should be a defenseman. Let's <clears throat> can he skip he, backwards though? Yeah, he can. I mean, he's he fantastic. His on the individual skill set really lends itself to being a uh, I'll mention the, a right-handed version of Tori Krug, just a little bigger. Even <laughs> though we think of uh, Mitch Marner as this. Little tyke on skates. No, he's bigger than me. Yeah, he's little when you compare him to what, like six three Austin Matthews. Matthew, yeah, when yeah, he like, came in at eighteen. Yeah. Um, but no, he he is a he needs room to skate, and he needs to see everything in front of him. The only yeah. thing that would probably help him out these days is to play behind the goal line on the power play, but coaches don't do that. <laughs> So, so then I, then I guess, um, 
Who's the coach of the Leafs right now? <laughs> Sheldon Keith. Uh, right, right. So I guess I guess uh, Sheldon is okay with um, letting Marner's talent go to waste so long as uh, Matthews actually gets to be scoring and doing things, huh? They see him as helping that line, even when he's not contributing as much on the offensive side. And to Pat's point, I think the way he's helping that line, again, I'd probably have to go look at the numbers. I think he's helping that line by helping them get out of their own zone more mm-hmm. than anything. Or, cre- or creating zone entries more than Right, anything. but they're valuing him, the coach anyway, based upon how he can support Matthews as opposed to him being a good player in his own right. I think he just went in to edit lines and said, you know, best lines and let the algorithm figure out who should be on what line. <laughs> Sometimes I get that feeling. I'll know. just let the computer figure it out. We're fine. Yeah. And and what was the one thing, all three of us being massive Peter Forsberg um, fans, um, what was one thing that always drove us nuts about Peter Forsberg? If he did one thing more, he would have been unstoppable. To uh, shooting? Hmm. <laughs> the shot, the, the amazing shot that he had, even though uh, he had zero confidence in his own shot. <laughs> Correct. The one year he decided to shoot more is the one year he won the Art Ross because he got like 30 goals. Right. And <laughs> and he had, you know, constantly was saying, I, I don't feel like I'm a great shooter. I don't feel very confident about my shot. I don't like to shoot. I would rather pass. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so, you know, that's where I'm going to put Marner. That's where I was going to put Marner. You know, if he could... And I, and I think a lot of people have said this in the Toronto media. I don't know. You know, it's, it's so hard to hear anything about the Toronto Maple Leafs down here. You know, there aren't any podcasts or anything. Um, is that he needs to shoot more. I don't know how I got into this Mitch Marner rant. <laughs> I don't. It was I, the EA Sports thing. I, you know, it, I don't even know how the hell I got there. <laughs> I can't help you with that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, not even my therapist can help me with any of that. I think we need to land a plane before I like start going off on, you know, some 1980s players. <laughs> All right. Well, since you brought up the Peter Forsberg award and we're going to make uh, Mitch Marner ineligible, but what other current player would be, a, let's just say a finalist for the Peter Forsberg award, the player who just doesn't shoot enough and he really should. Castle League. <laughs> this has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.